So today is 4th of July and uh, you know it's a holiday but I would also like to I don't know if I could extend it a little further and say it's a holy day. You know we normally don't see it as a religious celebration. I think for most of us here we maybe look to Christmas or Easter those kind of holidays and we connect those with you know biblical events but, you know, for, I think for us as Americans, um, it would be really good for us to be able to see this day for what it is. You know, th this freedom that we have nationally is a freedom that's been given to us by God. And we'll talk about this and we'll talk about the establishment of our nation. But then we'll end today's study with just a celebration of the freedom we have as Christians, not just as Americans, I think that's something that we need to appreciate and celebrate and contemplate, but especially uh, as Christians. And so 4th of, of July, um, we know that on that day, um, the, the Declaration of Independence was recognized, but it wasn't on that day that it was written. It wasn't on that day that it was signed. How, how did it all happen? As we look back on, on today, I'm always one of those guys that has like, well, why are we doing this? I've always had that philosophical perspective. Like, why do we do what we do? You know, and so why are we celebrating today? Why do, how many of you guys, some of you guys got four-day weekends, huh? I'm a little jealous, right? Um, you guys are going to be barbecuing today? Some of you guys, right? Are you going to shoot any fireworks? Any illegal ones? I'm just curious. They'll come over to your house. <laughs> better be careful it's a thousand dollar fine for everyone but anyways um you know maybe you're going to go see the show uh, but but you're like well why why are we doing this uh, well we know the american revolutionary war began in april of 1775 it went on for eight years um continental congress declared independence on july 2nd 1776 the first draft of the Declaration of Independence was written in June of 1776. It was signed on August 2nd of 1776, and it was delivered to the Britons in November of 1776. And, and so you're wondering, well, then why do we do July 4th? Well, it's because on July 4th, the Continental Congress approved the final wording of the Declaration of Independence. They finally agreed on all the, the edits and on all the changes. And, and not only that, because um, what happened was that was a special day when they finally agreed on this amazing document. Um, but then as you fast forward in history, you guys will find that th this wasn't really a national holiday immediately. As a matter of fact, when you look at American history, you see initially things were happening, so much going on, that they were in one sense uh, too busy. Uh, one of the forefathers, John Adams, who was the second president of the United States, he complained in a letter that America seemed uninterested in its past. But eventually that changed, the War of 1812, uh, different things ended up happening. And then just to kind of solidify that day, um, our second president, our third president, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, they both died on July 4th. And, and that was a really interesting thing, five hours apart. And, and so I think in one sense what God did is he, he's saying something, something special happening here. I'm birthing a nation. I'm, I'm giving birth to a nation. And, and for us, you know, we come now on July 4th, that, that was the day that we recognize this declaration 
of independence, that we would be free as a nation. And, you know, the whole thing, when you look at the history of it, is just so amazing to me when you see the way that our nation was established. You know, when you look at, um, if I could just compare this, and I don't know, you guys are probably, I know there's going to be some of you who disagree with me. You know, I believe that God did it. That I believe it was just an act of God. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll tell me, hey, you should see the way that God hooked me up with this apartment I got. It was totally God I got this house, you know, or I bought a house, or I rented a house. Or, you know, we talk about the building back there that we are getting for the youth and other reasons as well. And, you know, I talk to people and I say, man, it was a totally the Lord and this happened and that happened. And you look at the series of events and it was God that gave us that, right? Even sometimes, do you guys ever do this with a parking space? You're like, oh, yeah, thank Thank you, Jesus. You know, you got this really good parking space. I mean, he's just involved in that kind of stuff, you know? And so for us, on, on July 4th, I, I think that we are acknowledging, we are celebrating, we are, are in great gratitude for this nation that we are so privileged to live in. You know, and I, and I pray that today would be a day that we actually do look to God and give him the glory, and we say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You know, when you look at the Jews and you see their history, it's an interesting thing. The way that God brought them out of Egypt, the way that God set them free, he set them free, right? Free to serve him. You know, it's an amazing story. And so when you read Exodus 13 and 14, you see that, you know, the Lord said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Every year I want you to celebrate the Passover, Right? The Passover, they would kill the lamb, invite their friends over, break no bones. It was all a picture of Jesus, who was our Passover lamb. But, you know, they would celebrate this holiday, this holy day, every year in, in acknowledgement of the way that, that, that they were birthed as a nation, the way that God had did this amazing work. And so when you look at Israel's history, that what happened is they forgot God and they stopped celebrating the Passover and, you know, it was not a good thing. It was, next thing you know, all they're doing is, you know, shooting off fireworks and whatever, having carnesada or whatever. And it's like, where's God? Where's God in all this? God established this nation. God, you know, stretched out his hand and, and he defeated the most powerful nation in the world to get this nation going. And you're not going to look to him? See, that's what happened with Israel. And it was just so cool what ended, eventually happened. You know, every once in a while they would have a good king. I love the story of Josiah. He, how many, you guys know how old he was when he became king? Does anybody know? Josiah knows. <laughs> huh. I remember when Josiah turned eight. I remember I, I couldn't wait for him to turn eight. I'm like, hey, Josiah, you're now eight years old. That's how old King Josiah was. When he was crowned king of Israel, 16 years into his reign, he said, you know what, we need to fix up the house of the Lord. And so he told the guys to go in and get the, the offerings and to fix up the temple because it was all dilapidated, it was all thrashed, it was all filled with garbage. And as they were fixing up the house of the Lord, you know, you'll never guess what they found in the temple. They found the law of the Lord. They found the Bible in the house of God. In other words, they had lost the Bible in the house of God. And so, you know, they, they found the Bible. I think there's a lot of churches today that have lost the Bible. 
There's a lot of churches today that are living according to the standards of the world. They're being dictated by the culture. The culture is telling them what's right and wrong. The world is, not God. They've lost the Bible. And many churches, many Christians, they're capitulating to the standards of the world. You know, and so it, a lot of times it gets lost in the house of the Lord, but it's so beautiful when it gets found again. And so they found the word of God. They read it to King Josiah, he tore his clothes. And then, is it so cool? You guys read the story. He just cleaned house. He got rid of everything that wasn't of the Lord. He got rid of everything with no mercy upon sin. He pulverized those idols and he ground them to dust and he threw them in the river Kidron. I mean, it's so amazing. You know, and it's just so cool, man, when God gets a hold of your life and you just say, I'm done with it. And all the drugs go down the toilet and all the alcohol. I mean, me, I had devil music. I'm not just talking about secular music. I had like slayer, demon music. And I remember I had to throw that stuff away because there was a new start in my heart. You know, and, and it was just so cool. That's what Josiah did. He got rid of all the bad stuff. And then, you know, he said, okay, you guys, this is what we need to do now. We need to celebrate the Passover. The Passover. And the Passover is the religious holiday of the Jews where they celebrate the way that God birthed them and set them free as a nation. And you guys, I, I think that in one sense, I, I wish I could do that you know, from the Oval Office. I wish I could do that from you know, Channel 7, ABC News, or for our whole nation. You know, wouldn't it be cool if our, if our president said, okay, we're done with this. We're done with the things that are ungodly. And we recommit our life to the Lord. That's what King Josiah did as a nation, making a covenant with God. And, and so we can't do that perhaps as a nation, you know, but we can do this as a church. We can do this today. If you're interested, God's willing to meet you here today. If you're interested, you can say, okay, Lord, I'll get rid of the things that are, that are not pleasing to you. I'll get rid of the sin. And I'm going to start with this new covenant relationship with you because I believe that you birthed this nation and you birthed me as an American and as a Christian. And I will follow you. See, Independence Day can be a day of being free. And then we, in one sense, say, Lord, and from this day forward, I'm dependent on you. Because when you look at the founding of our nation, clearly you see the Lord's hand in it. You know, if you get a chance, I encourage you to read uh, the background to the founding of our nation. You'll find that a lot of the writings, uh, a lot of the things that we have in our Constitution, Declaration of Independence, were kind of pulled from a, a man, for example, named John Locke. He was a British uh, theologian and Christian uh, a man who had, in one of his books, we pull a lot of information, 1,500 Bible references. Now, well, what happened to our nation? You go back and you look and you see amazing stories. I want to tell you one today, just one story, and I hope that you can see God's hand in it. It was a pivotal point in our nation's history uh, the war had been declared, but man, we weren't doing too well. And so they appointed a, a leader by the name of George Washington. They appointed him over 13,000 troops who were casually encamped around Boston. 
And when he came across his troops, he was stunned by their lack of discipline. And the victory in Boston would eventually become a pivotal victory after which it would lead to Continental Congress signing that Declaration of Independence. So this particular battle was a big battle. In one sense, it was the one that gave us that little thrust that we needed to proclaim our freedom. And so George Washington, when he took over uh, leadership, he said this about the soldiers. He said, they had not the first idea of what it was to be a soldier, neither did their officers. Indeed, their officers, he said, were their greatest problem. For almost all the militia companies were comprised of hometown units serving under their hometown officers. And so it was easy to see that an officer who had grown up with his men, who had farmed with his men, who had drunk with his men, who had voted with his men, was not likely to cut across deep friendships for the sake of enforcing discipline. Consequently, what was going on in the army in those days, serious offenses received mild rebukes and minor offenses were ignored altogether. The result was that atmosphere there in, in Cambridge was more like a, a party than it was a military establishment. And so what did God do? When God saw these soldiers were not really soldiers, what did God do? When God saw things were not looking good, what did God do? What does God usually do? He usually raises up a leader. He usually raises up someone with godly conviction, willing to lay down their life, willing to serve him with a reckless abandon. And that's what God did with this man named George Washington. Washington was shocked by what he saw. He had not sought the assignment, but his colleagues, uh, they pressed him on it. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. When you read uh, the letters that he wrote to his wife Martha, to his brother uh, Jack, he would said, I would much rather leave all this military life and just live in my land in the Western Reserve. But George Washington, he, he wrote that leaving was impossible because he was a man under authority. He, he said in his letters, George Washington, our first president of the United States of America, he said, I am a man under the authority of God. He was under God's authority, and he said that his life was not his own. And so he said he was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do, regardless of the cost. And so, you know, again, looking back, this is what the Lord did, raised up a leader, forming and founding our nation. It was a man with godly conviction that felt he had the responsibility to obey. And so George Washington, kind of like Josiah, maybe in one sense, a little different, but George Washington went in there and he just cleaned house. He demoted many of the officers and he promoted the ones who he knew were real soldiers who were really committed to the cause. He even wrote a letter, and this is what he sent to the guys. He said, the general most earnestly requires a due observance of those articles of war established by the government of the army, which forbid profane cursing, swearing, and drunkenness. And in like manner, he requires and expects all officers and soldiers not engaged in actual duty, a punctual attendance of divine services to implore the blessing of heaven upon the means used for safety and defense. 
And so he went in and said, hey, guys, this is official. This is formal. You guys have to submit to the laws of what it means to be a soldier. Among those, no cussing, no drinking. And if you're not serving in the military, you're not in actual combat, then you need to be in church, and you need to be in church on time. That's what our general, that's what our first president said to the guys. Imagine if our president did that. Man, if our president said, hey, we need to invoke the blessings of Almighty God, and he just went in there, disciplined, said we got to seek the Lord. See, when people question whether or not our nation was founded by Judeo-Christian principles, I think that they just don't know history at all. Now, I will admit in doing research, there are some that sensationalize it a little bit, maybe go too extreme. There were probably some deists, there were probably some Unitarians, but generally speaking, you see God's hand in this. And I think when I, was, when I was reading it, okay, I was like, okay, Lord, I don't want to say George Washington was a Moses because Moses is Moses. That's the Bible. But I do see this man of conviction used by you to, to just bring this nation to a place of victory. So the men under his leadership, they learned drills. They learned how to march. Of course, that was primarily because you need to learn how to obey. You need to keep rank when you're in the army. And so an astonishing transformation took place in the Continental Army, and it actually began to look like an army. Uh, the men, you know, they were thankful to Washington, who just gave all the glory to God. He knew it was the Lord. And so when you look at this time frame, one of the interesting things about those days is that the preachers, they wrote every single sermon. So if you wanted to find out what, you know, the preacher said that Sunday, you could actually read it. And so it was interesting the way that the preachers in the country, they just encourage the people as they're going through this war, they're going through this time, this season to repent, to repent, to turn from their sin, to trust in Jesus Christ. And they said, and then God will use those other weapons of warfare to give us the victory and to give us our freedom. But as you go through the writings and as you go even through the foundational documents of our nation, you're going to find that many of those foundational documents were from the sermons of that season, of that day. You guys, God was moving. God was working in our country. You know, you got uh, pastors, you got politicians, you got theologians like, like John Locke. And you've got others calling America back to God, calling America back to this place of repentance. And, and what you find is that God began to move. After we see this, the one thing I want to mention real quick, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, real quick, real quick, is, um, you know, the Americans wanted to go up and get Canada. Did you guys know that? But God said no. And God started intervening. These crazy supernatural things started happening. God said no. From sea to sign sea, and from here to here, it's going to be for you. And so that's the way that God works. And so they got defeated. They got defeated. And so what ended up happening was God then called them after that particular defeat on May 17th uh, for a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. And as they did that, then they went back to the focus where John, George Washington was here in the Boston area. I, I want to show you guys a map, and I just want to tell you a quick thing uh, about what happened here in this battle. 
So um, I know it's not the best map in the world, but, but can you see right there the Boston Celtics? Can you guys see right there? <laughs> There's Boston. Now, this is a, 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 a very um, pivotal place uh, where the British controlled. Now, Cambridge right there, that's where George Washington's troops were, and he mustered up this army, and he built this army. But down here, you have this place called Deschester, and this is going to be a, a, a real pivotal place because from there, they have these hills. And if you can control these hills, then you have really the, the, the perspective to where you can actually control um, the port. You can control Boston. You can see the British ships there. Remember, the British were the greatest navy in the world, right? But no one would make the move because it's winter and it's just a crazy you know, maneuver. But what ended up happening is George Washington, out of gunpowder, out of soldiers, and running out of time, they began to pray. Next thing you know, the gunpowder comes in. Next thing you know, the weather cooperates. Next thing you know, you got soldiers. And the next thing you know, uh, and when you read history, and here's something I got to tell you guys. Just, I didn't get this from Christian sources. Okay, I got, I got it specifically. I wanted to make sure I got it from non-Christian sources. And what they said was that the British, in writing what happened next, they, it was just, uh, it was just uh, across the board, the testimony. And they said that one night they went to sleep, and the next night the American soldiers, led by George Washington, had captured that hill, and they had set up like this whole crazy armory of cannons and fortresses. And, and the, 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 the British general said that they did in one night what his soldiers would not be able to do in months. There was one uh, general, a uh, British general, who said it was, seemed supernatural. Then all of a sudden, the Americans have control of the hills where they can control the whole area. Next thing you know, the, the, the Britons, the British, they end up um, saying, okay, we'll counterattack. And what they ended up experiencing at that point was this crazy snowstorm that uh, prohibited them from doing that. And so by that time it's all said and done, the British, they flee to New York. God gave George Washington, God gave these troops this amazing victory, and it reminded me, when I was reading it, it reminded me of those stories that we read in the Bible. You guys, of those stories where God intervened, huh? Have you guys ever read those? Where God gave Israel the victory. Now, when you look at that, and again, us just here, July 4th, you know, day of independence, day of freedom, we realize, you know what, this is God. This is God who established our nation. This is God who gave us that freedom. And for me, when I'm reading these things, I'm like, Lord, I, I wonder if we celebrate you on 4th of July. I mean, the Passover, looking back, I, I wonder, like the Jews are supposed to acknowledge God. I think we need to do the same. And then God, he begins to do a new work. You know, John Adams, again, he was the second president of our nation. As he's talking about this whole time, he said, as they were in the thick of the victory, there was not a single soul who didn't acknowledge the supernatural hand of God. That's our second president. He said that's, that's what happened. 
Um, we're talking about um, Samuel Adams, who said, we have this day restored this sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven and from the rising to the setting sun. May his kingdom come. See, the Lord, he started our nation. And I think as a result of that, it's good for us to acknowledge it and maybe even turn back to him and say, Lord, will you finish it? And, and I believe he will. I want you to turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, look what it says in verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Do you guys like to praise the Lord? To, to sing, hopefully, um, to worship Him? Uh, I know it's more than something we do with our lips, it's something that we do with our life, but I think it's so cool just to know that my whole life is an act of worship. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 it says, right? So we praise the Lord, but look, he gives reasons here. He says in verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. And so it's interesting. There you see the Lord bringing the people into the city, bringing the people back into the nation. And as you study history, you'll see even today, the whole nation has been repopulated the way God brings them from all over the world, right there to this little nation the size of New Jersey, right? That's such a big thing. But then look at verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. You know, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, Lord, you do this big work of, you know, bringing people from all over the world back into Israel, but then you also do this personal work, Lord, in that so many, they have that broken heart. They've been hurt. They've gone through things. And you, Lord, are willing to heal their heart. Some of you guys here, you're strong. You are strong Christians. You're strong men of God. You're strong women of God, women of God, because God has healed your heart. You know, if you're here today and your heart is broken, if you're here today and you're struggling, I encourage you, Give him all the broken pieces, and he'll heal your heart. I was talking to one young man after service today and excited about what God's doing in his life, and I was just telling him, it's just so amazing. You know, it was his first time here at church, and I was like, wow, do you realize that if you continue to follow the Lord, that the God of the universe will bless your life? I mean, that's the thing that we see. Uh, Randy said something similar to that. Just, just let him. Just let him, let him heal your heart. That's what we're talking about here. Praise God, praise God. Today is a day of celebration, of adoration, you know, because of what he's done. We live in this nation where we are free and we praise him, you know, because of the big things he does. We praise him because he even heals our broken heart. Look what it says in verse four. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. And that's like the psalmist is trying to brag about God. Did you know that God is so, so big that in, in on 100 billion galaxies, there are 100 billion stars in every one of those 100 billion galaxies, and he knows every single one of them by name. And more than likely, I would have to say, what God is trying to say is that he knows your name. 
He knows what you're going through. He knows every tear, everything that's going on in your life. So we praise him. We, we praise him, right? Great is our Lord, it says in verse 5, and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. He lifts up the humble, casts the wicked down to the ground. And so sing to the Lord on 4th of July or sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the guitar or the piano or the harp to our God who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains and he gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. And so praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Almonte. Praise your God, O Zion. And so he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. I mean, the earthly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, just thinking about stuff like that. I mean, just, um, I wish I could get Pentecostal like Mark, maybe a little bit, Mim. Just come on, you know, let's, let's praise him. I mean, he is an awesome God, the maker and maintainer of all the stars. Not one's missing. He's here to heal your heart. He's, he's here to meet you. I, I know what he did to me. And I know he's willing to do that to anyone who's willing to say, yes, God, come in. You praise him. Notice it says in verse 13, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the best pizza. That's what it says right there, man. I mean, I'm telling you guys, do you, this, we've traveled the world, this nation that we live in, the peace that we have. I mean, you go to other nations, I mean, you got to go out with a rifle. You got soldiers that are all over the place. It's just crazy what's going on in some of these Muslim countries and crazy things that are going on in places where you try to call the police and they don't come. The peace that we have in this nation, the food. I mean, right here it's just talking about the finest wheat, you know, but all, we're, all he's saying is look at what God has done. Praise him for all these blessings. Some you may think are insignificant, but when you add it all up together, I mean, I just, I thank God that I live in this nation. And I, I just don't understand how an athlete can turn their back on the playing of the national anthem. I don't understand that. I think that we need to be and we need to teach our children to be grateful. You know, it's not a perfect nation, but like Pastor Henry wrote, today's devotional is cool. He's saying, yeah, not a perfect nation, but probably still the greatest nation on planet Earth. Probably. I mean, that's where we live. And so we praise him. And look what it says next. It says in, in verse 15, he sends out his command to the earth and his word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. Imagine how amazing it would be, you guys. Uh, any of you guys like skiing? Any of you guys like skiing or snowboarding? Well, I would think that would be better, huh? Snowboarding for the young people. And so you're like, okay, you know, snow, whatever. And you create a hill and you create snow. Just by his word, 
God, just by his word, he does stuff like that, right? And so he's talking right here about how God maintains everything, weather, rain, I mean, you name it, it's all by his word. Isn't it cool, you guys? Like right around 6 or 6.30, you can go for a walk because it starts cooling off a little bit. The weather's beautiful. Not always, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's all by his word. His word is powerful. His word keeps the earth spinning. His word keeps that sun shining. It's all by his word, right? And then notice what it says next in verse 19. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. And what's he talking about there? The Bible. The Bible. And Jacob is when you're bad. Israel is when you're good. Most of you guys are primarily Jacobs, but he still gives you his word, right? I mean, he's just saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's not just a holiday, it's a holy day. It's like our Passover. It's like we look back and we think, wow, God supernaturally established this nation. He's blessed us in so many ways. He's given us his word. Where would we be without his word? We'd be left to the opinion of the environment, the culture, and the world that we live in, which we know is so based, so wicked, so wretched, so warped, right? But we have his word, and so that's why it says right here, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. I mean, do you realize how saturated with the scriptures this nation has been? I mean, there was a time when the Bible was our textbook. And, and it's, to me, I think it's interesting how God in his word, he says, and it hasn't been like that for every nation, but for us. We know them. How many of you guys are, are blessed that you have the Bible? I mean, you're just blessed. Where would we be without the scriptures? God has blessed the United States of America. I mean, it says right here, he has not dealt thus with any nation. Who knows? Maybe one day we're going to be up in heaven. We'll be talking to Jesus. I don't know. And having some food and I don't know how it's all going to work. I know there's going to be this personal fellowship with him, but he might say, hey, um, yeah, oh, you lived in America? Oh, what'd you do? I know he wouldn't probably say that, but <laughs> I feel like, man, he, he, he would know you were given a lot, more than likely. And, and not only that, so here we are in 2021, knowing this, and knowing that our nation is going the wrong way. Knowing that God founded this nation, knowing what God has done for our nation. And I, when I gave you just a little story, I mean, there are so many amazing stories that you can see at the found, founding and forming of our nation. And so the Lord might say, hey, Emmanuel, what did you do to, to change it? Well, Lord, we've got to preach your gospel, but we also have to, I think in one sense, fly that flag. We have to appreciate the freedom we've been given. Pray for our nation and ask that God would bring her back. No, we see that here. In Psalm 33, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. 
Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, so how do you get the nation back on track? I mean, really, what he's saying right there is, is righteousness, is people being obedient to God and understanding, if only our politicians would know this, that sin is what messes us up. Sin. And so we have to do what God tells us to do and be obedient to him. There's a heavy verse in Psalm 917. It's a heavy verse, you guys, so don't be shocked because I I warned you, it's a heavy verse. It says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So if you're here today and you don't accept Jesus Christ and you're standing before God and you say, Well, you never told me. Listen, you just heard. Because God's a holy God. So for us as a nation, Lord, here we are, Calvary Chapel Almani, we're going to have our carne asada later. We're going to shoot fireworks later. We're going to spend time with friends and family later. I got a red, white, and shirt. I'm red, red, white, and blue shirt. I'm ready to wear it, Lord. But I won't forget you because I know you founded this nation. I know you gave me freedom. You know, there's 55 countries out of the 194 that exist, 198, right around there, that it's illegal to have a Bible. It's illegal to proselytize. It's illegal to be a Christian. I mean, that's the world that we live in. I mean, you name it, there's crazy things out there. Singapore, you know, as far as chewing gum, you can't, unless it's therapeutic, you know? And so if you were to go to Singapore and you said, hey, I got some gum and you wanted to sell it, do you realize that you can be fined $100,000 and spend time in prison for gum? Some nations, you can't have a cat. Did you guys know that? Some of you are like, hey, I want to move there. Listen, I'm just just trying to tell you. uh, Sorry, cat lovers. I'm just trying to tell you this, the, 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 the way that we are so blessed with so much freedom, freedom to preach the gospel, but things are being attacked. And that's why we need to fight with God's weapons. See, real quick, we're free nationally as Americans. My prayer is that we would acknowledge God and be grateful for that, you guys. But then secondly, and, and more importantly, is we are free personally. And so let's go real quick to John 8. In 31, John 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus is talking to the religious Jews and he's telling them that if you abide in my truth, you're my disciples indeed and you're going to know the truth and the truth will will make you free. 
And so these guys, you know, they're just thinking always political. You know, we were free, you know, even though they didn't acknowledge the fact that they were under Roman authorities, they had an element of freedom, and they thought, no, we're good, we're good. And Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. It, you're, because you're not a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, because you're not really all in, you're a slave to sin. You're in bondage to sin. I'm not telling you that to, to, to just, you know, beat you up or pound you. I'm, I'm telling you this because I want to set you free. I want to set you free. I want to break the chains. I want to give you this freedom that is beyond your wildest imagination. That, that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right here, right now, from the heart, you will be saved. He died for you on a cross. He rose again. I'm not talking about in your head. That won't do any good. I'm not talking about intellectual. I'm talking about you in your heart saying, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, I give you my heart. See, when you do that, then immediately you're forgiven and free and you're headed for heaven. It's this amazing gospel that God wants us to preach that breaks the chains. Before I was a Christian, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and lust and you name it. I couldn't stop cussing if you paid me a million dollars because all that dirty stuff was inside of me and I could not break the chains. But when Jesus Christ came into my life, I was set free and then I had a choice. Prior to then, I didn't have a choice. And then one day, August 20th, 1989, I gave my life to the Lord. Today would be a good day to give your life to the Lord because it's July 4th, if you haven't already done that. And then what ends up happening is this freedom, you guys, is just so amazing. You know, you guys, every once in a while you have a bad day. Does anyone ever have a bad day? Some of you guys have a lot of bad days. But you're, you're, you're a believer? You're, you're a believer? And he loves you. You're going to heaven. See, the Jews were caught up in all the rules and regulations. They were. I can get caught up in all the rules and regulations. You know, but then the Lord just begins to, sh to tell me, Manny, you're free. You know that, right? I mean, I, I'm, I, I could tell you guys a million rules and regulations that I set up on myself. Like, for example, um, you know, like usually when I wake up, I like to do my Bible reading and pray, you know, and certain things I do, reading books and stuff before I work out, before I work out. And then the other day, it was getting late, and it was, uh, was kind of like, I'm like, Lord, can I work out before I do that? And then back in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you can't do that. That's against the rules. Because, you know, I wanted to do an early workout because it, it gets hot in my workout room. And it was just so cool. The Lord just like slapped me upside the head and he said, what are you talking about? What, what world of religion do you live in? go ahead and work out. I'm sure my love for you is not based on your Bible reading, your church attendance, you know, dotting every I, crossing every T. You're saved because you believe in me. And I love you no matter what. And I'm not trying to get sloppy or goppy or anything. I'm just trying to say, you guys, you know, don't let Galatians 5.1, it talks about that. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do you understand that he loves you?
no matter what, whether you read your Bible a hundred times or you prayed for an hour and all that, do you understand that he loves? Do you understand that he died for you? Do you understand that you're saved not by your behavior, that you're saved by the blood? And you can go, and my wife and I can listen to Theta, you know, her love song. Oh, but man, you can't do that. That's not Christian music or whatever. And it's like, yeah, and then you start getting all these crazy rules and stuff, and you know what? It just weighs you down. And the Lord just says to me, you, you know, you want to take a break and, you know, get a cup of coffee even though you're supposed to be studying right here. You, you, you know, you name it. And it was a million things I put on myself and the Lord is just saying, you need to understand you're free. You're free. And so I pray, you guys, today on 4th of July that that would be something that we would know. Psalm 1945 says, I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. The things I'm talking about, you're going to find your freedom is all found in his word. And so today, I pray that you would know that fire works, the fire of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the fire of him leading you as a pillar in the night, the fire that burns in your heart when God speaks to you, okay? And as we follow him, let's enjoy his freedom. Now. Not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin. If you're a Christian and just drifted away, very, very simple. Today you come back. Okay? One step is come back to the Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, then I pray that today you